All right, it's uh, the Plank Show. We are hanging out at Caven's Group on a Thursday. Um, This gives us a great opportunity to lay out all of our coverage for you. Because while we're getting to hang with Parker Thune today, as he's sitting in for Josh Helmer, Parker is headed down to San Antonio to watch Jonathan Hatton. So is he playing a Thursday night game? That works out pretty well, doesn't it? He is it? playing a Thursday night game. Yeah, I'm doubling up on running backs this week. I'm going to go see Hatton tonight, and then my plan is to go watch Taylor Tatum tomorrow night. I hear good things. Uh, he's special. Okay. He's Can he special. play Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> Are you as concerned as most of the nation is about the running back position right now? I, I, I'm i waffling, Plank. Because okay, on that's fine. Waffle away. That's yeah, what I do. Uh-huh. Well, we hear Brent Venables, for instance, address the running back situation after Saturday's game and say that it's kind of a funky situation is how he termed it with mm-hmm. Javante Barnes right now. And just knowing that Barnes and Sawchuck have been struggling – to get past nagging injuries heading into the year. I, on the one hand, I am a little bit concerned if it's Tawi Walker and Marcus Major that are heading up the backfield on Saturday. Listen, I think Walker, to his credit, has been the best back of the bunch for Oklahoma mm-hmm. thus far this year. He's averaging 5.1 yards per carry. He's a downhill bowling ball type of guy, but a guy like that, I don't really see him, to be quite honest with you, I don't see him being the guy in that backfield that is best suited for success against Texas and the defense that they're going to roll out there. So I think you need to unlock either Barnes or Sawchuck in the running game. You need to let one of them off the chain, assuming you have the leeway to do so and one of the two is healthy enough. And it's been a weird deal, right? Because if a guy isn't healthy, typically he's sitting out. He's just riding the pine till he's ready like the Sooners have addressed the R. Mason Thomas situation and the injury that he's dealing with. But with Barnes and Sawchuck, we've seen them periodically throughout the season, just never on a consistent basis. I feel this weekend like you got to have a back in the game at some point. Maybe not the guy who's getting 80% of the carries. I'm not thinking the split needs to be that drastic. But at some point, you're going to need to be able to turn to a back that can get outside the tackle box and make stuff happen in the open field. Barnes and Sawchuck are those two guys right now out of your backfield committee. So I need to see one of them take a major step forward in terms of their usage on Saturday and in terms of their production if I'm going to feel good about Oklahoma being able to keep the offense humming. Mm. Tomorrow is kind of our game day, if you will, our game day to the game day. You can catch Toby and TJ. This is one of those handful of shows that uh, Toby Rowland and TJ Perry get to do live together. They're going to be at the Omni in Dallas. Uh, That's 555 South Lamar in Dallas. And I've never been able to do my show from there. Now, I'm not complaining, by the way. I always say, hey, put me wherever you guys need me. And it's, it's awesome. If you haven't been by... I was joking with Toby about it last week when we were walking to the game. He said, I'm still in in awe of how many people are actually down, around, and aware, and up, and ready to go from 6 to 9 a.m. on Friday morning from the Omni. I'm going to be in Ardmore tomorrow, and this has become a staple for me. Therapy to go. It is a drive-thru liquor store. We're right there in the drive-thru. It's, when I tell you, Parker Thune, the vibes are unparalleled. Let me remind you, the vibes are unparalleled. Great deals, great people, diehard Sooner fans. 
Uh, the owner is a trip. She's the best. So come hang out with us uh, on your way down tomorrow from 9 to noon. Steelman is actually at his hangout tomorrow from noon to 2 at Riverwind. So Parker is going to be at the Omni party. Uh, and then we're hanging out at the at the Omni basically from noon until 6 p.m. with Parker, Tyler and Parker for Locked In, and then Tyler and Teddy for The Rush. So tomorrow from 2 to 3, Parker, we're going to get a lot of information on Jonathan Hatton after you watch him tonight, aren't we? Yes, you will. And a lot of information on several other top Oklahoma targets in the 2024 and 2025 classes. Man, I the fact that Oklahoma already has a 2026 commit. <laughs> it's just bonkers, man. Because I remember, and it doesn't feel like all that long ago. A couple of years ago, I'm starting to get hit up in my Twitter DMs by 2026 kids. And I'm like, please, y'all are in seventh grade. Right, what are you doing? But now we, and here we are, and it feels like just a couple oh. weeks in the rearview mirror that those kids were in seventh grade, and now you got one committed to Oklahoma. Okay, I think this is a good time to go ahead and make this uh, clarification uh, because I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that. Dear all of you very talented and young softballers out there, I have nothing to do with recruiting for Oklahoma. <laughs> so I appreciate that you followed me and you've reached out and you've sent me video but I, I, I got nothing. I can't help you at all. <laughs> I, I don't even, I don't even think Patty, I don't even think Coach Gasso would listen to me if I was like, "Hey, I got this kid." She'd probably be like, "That's great, Plank." ROU Texas Week is presented by Boyd Street Ventures, bringing Oklahoma innovations to the world under the radar, above the crowd. BoydStreetVentures.com. And speaking of our great supporters, we're here at Caven's Group on a Thursday, so let's go. I learned a new term yesterday. I learned a new term yesterday. This is uh, – actually, I guess this would be Monday. I'm sorry. We taped this on Monday. I asked Todd Bates about Isaiah Coe, and he dropped as only he can, low-key, not very animated, but he dropped something on me that I think is fantastic. I'll tell you what, yeah, it's good, it's good to keep him healthy. and I mean, he's playing tremendously right now, playing very physical brand of football. You see him collapse in the pocket on the sack we had. He was pressing that, pressing the center almost back in the quarterback's lap. And that makes the quarterback uncomfortable. You turn him into Santa Claus almost. And um, that's what I love about Cole, when he unleashes who he truly is and sticks to that. He's a big, powerful dude, and he needs to let people feel that. Turn him into Santa Claus. Gone? Well, you, you sit in the guy in his lap. Santa gets kids in his lap. So that's what you want. You want to have the quarterback. You want the old lineman <laughs> sitting back there if you can. <laughs> Had you ever heard that before? I've never heard that before in my <laughs> life. That is that is a Todd Bates bar right there. <laughs> you turn him into Santa Claus. It's like, oh, you got his offensive lineman just there sitting in his lap. What's Santa want? A bunch of guys sitting in his lap. That is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Now, uh, since we're on Todd Bates, let me hit a couple of these clips. And, by the way, I – Parker and I are going to go straight text line for the last 45 minutes of the show because you guys have great questions. It's hopping. That's what we're doing for the next 45 minutes. I feel like, though, I do have to put some work in here. Bates talked about Jordan Kelly. I feel like he's somewhat of the forgotten guy. He's not going to be a dude that we talk about probably with a massively long NFL career, uh, or maybe he's one of those dudes that you look up and it's like, hey, look, Jordan Kelly's been in the league for a minute. Regardless, uh, not going to be a first-round pick, but, man, he has really taken to the coaching Oklahoma has given him over the last couple of seasons. I've seen, man, just a guy that's ready to, you know, own his role. Like, he's always ready when his number's called. He's a complete defensive tackle. He can play the run and rush the passer. 
And, and, you know, he's played a lot of ball, so he's got a ton of experience to build off of. So anytime we're introducing new concepts, he's one of the first ones to pick it up and one of the first ones to be teaching the younger guys in the room. So I, I really, you know, really enjoy coaching, you know, Jordan, man, and love what he brings to the table week in and week out. Mm. What have you uh, – well, let's just stick with all the guys in there. Uh, Jacob Lacey is a captain this weekend. He has really come along, man, and um, he's he experienced so much adversity. That was out of his control early right. on and overcame it, man, and really just a inspiration to our room and to our team the way that he's handled his business and really just attacked every day and really just accepted the hand that he's had regardless what was on his plate. And, um, I mean, he's a complete defensive tackle as well a guy that's going to play the run solid with technique and fundamentals and toughness and um, and then can also rush the passer. So we're very blessed and fortunate to have Jacob, man, and just look forward to every day working with him, man, just like everybody in that group. But he just um, he brings that level of veteran experience um, as well as, play, you know, having played a lot of ball. He's the only one in the room that has been national, you know, defensive lineman of the week. <laughs> Um, last year in his time at Notre Dame in that short time that he was there last year. So he brings a lot to the table, man, and just ready to work every day, that hard hat mentality. And then one more, one more here. Let's hear about uh, Jonah Laulu and his emergence in the middle. He does, and, and man, he really works at it. Um, Jonah's really worked at his run game and trying to improve. He'll be the first to tell you that he can, he's got so much more growth to um, that he can experience inside in the, in the run game. But, man, where he has been really excelling is, you know, having a chance to be disruptive in obvious passing situations. And, um, you know, you just continue to put him in there, and, and he just never disappoints you. Hmm. Um, he's going to be active. He's got a move on top of a move. So it's never just one move. He's always got a move to follow it up. And um, that's the first part of being a great pass rusher, being relentless and having a pass rush plan. And he's got a pretty good one. Okay. You know, I, I saw a guy out there that was athletic and a tweener at defensive end at 270, 275 last year. And it just started off with me and Coach Chavis joking with him a little bit. But I was like, hey, you want to come in here and rush the passer sometime? <laughs> he took to it like a moth to a flame and in, in, in the spring and really applied himself and really dove into the block wreck and the things that it takes to be a defensive tackle. I mean, at first he started off as a DN playing D-tackle. And um, now he's a true D-tackle. He's put on the weight and put in the work. All right, so outside of that moron over laughing, there is some good perspective, uh, Parker. Now, how do we feel about that interior of the Oklahoma defensive line going up against Texas where we feel like that guard center guard for Texas is a big weakness for them? Yeah, well, I think this is the proving ground for that group to prove that they've taken a step up from where they were last year. And obviously they overhauled things from a personnel standpoint. Jalen Redmond and Jeffrey Johnson both graduated. And so you've had to kind of fill the void with a revolving door, uh, kind of a ensemble cast of characters between guys like Lacey and Co. and Jordan Kelly. And You've seen a little bit of Devon Sears, not much. You've seen a little bit of Phil Paya, not much. Uh, Grayson Halton is one guy that has really, really impressed me in the limited snaps that he's gotten. So I think by virtue of their usage in this game, we're truly going to find out which guys have the most trust within the walls of the Switzer Center, which guys have uh, – given the coaches reason to believe that they're going to be able to hold up 
against the best of the best opponents that Oklahoma's going to play all year because, I mean, there's no two ways about it, Plank. In this game, every single snap matters. Every single player you got on the field matters. You can't have a weakness. You can't have a vulnerability because there's so much at stake in this game every year, especially in a year like this where both of these teams are coming in at 5-0. and So Texas ran the ball very well last weekend against Kansas. Jonathan Brooks rushed for over 200 yards individually. It's going to be up to that Oklahoma interior to hold up and run support. And I think put the put things on Quinn Ewer's shoulders even more than they are already if you can limit the way that Texas is able to gash you in the run game and put it upon Ewers to be able to move the chains through the air if they want to sustain drives. So my for, from where I stand, man, I think they've been good through five games. I also think that is one of the groups that, in my mind, the jury is still out on. I'm pretty impressed with the secondary. I think I'm comfortable saying this secondary is substantially improved and much better than they were a year ago. I don't feel like I quite know that about the defensive tackles yet, if you catch my drift. Mm. I don't know that. I agree. But this weekend is where we'll find out. All right, that's Parker Thune. Uh, He's in for Josh. Parker's going down tonight to watch Jonathan Hatton. Uh, Just because it was asked, I'll go ahead and allow the one Twitter, or excuse me, text recruiting question of the day. This is from Jay in Tulsa. Then we'll get a break, and you'll hear from Beanbow, and we're all OU Texas the rest of the way. Parker, looks like Mosey is visiting Mizzou again this weekend. Same with Waneri and Wingo. Has Mizzou Mosey actually become a thing? Uh, no, it has not. And it's funny because the, the timing of this question is hilarious because I actually I was on the phone with Jamar Mosey, Ike's dad, for about half an hour last night just catching up. We hadn't talked in a couple weeks. And, uh, look, I, I very much get the sense in having conversations with folks around LSN uh, that Mosey shows up to Missouri because his boys show up to Missouri, right? And when Ari is committed there for the moment, they've got a 2025 linebacker in Chase Pearsall that probably will be committed to Missouri at some point down the line. So generally those guys take those trips together and where one of them goes, all of them go. Mosey is scheduled to be back in Norman on October 21st for the UCF game. And right now, that remains primarily an OU Oregon battle for his services. They love them some Emmett Jones in the Mosey mm. family. And understandably Good. so, when you look at what those Oklahoma wide receivers have been able to do under Jones's tutelage thus far this season. There you go. There you go, Jay. Don't say I don't ever do anything for you on the text line, okay? There you go. All right, quick break. When we come back, a, a, a skosh, a little shot of Bill Beanbow. And your Knippemeyer text to take us uh, up until the top five stories of the day right here on The Ref. All right, Rod Babers is part of the top five stories of the day. Big challenge on Saturday for the Sooners as we welcome you back into the Plank Show with Parker Thune. I'm Chris Plank. We're at Cavens Group on a Thursday, 405-573-3048. Cavens Emergency Response. They're busy today with all the rains that we had over the last 24 hours You might find yourself with some water intrusion. If you don't handle that, it could end up being a mold problem. Call Gary and his crew now to help you fix it at 405-573-3048. I think it's a big Saturday, Parker, for Andrew Rame. Here's what Bill Beanbow said about the development of his center. You know, just leadership. He's finally healthy. Um, You know, he's he's 
obviously really, really smart like the centers that we've had in the past and, um, you know, doing a good job of leading. He's playing better than he has in the past, and I think some of that is health. Again, he's like everybody. There's some inconsistencies that he's got to get out of for us to really reach our full potential. Parker, I think that that's, you know, we'll see what Savion Burr, you know, Beanbo seemed to make it appear that he's healthy. So I, I hope that he'll be ready to go. I'd like to see the Savion Burr that we saw in the Cheez-It Bowl. But, I mean, the challenge is in that left guard, center, right guard spot on Saturday. they got to be really good. They do got to be really good. And I, I'm very curious as to how they approach that from a personnel standpoint because yeah. – uh, you've seen Savion Burt, but, of course, he's coming off that injury that caused him to miss a game, two games, I guess, at this point. You've seen a decent amount of Troy Everett. You've seen some Caden Green. Bill Biedenboe has never been afraid to shuffle the deck, and so I wonder if you you know you got a guy who's more than capable of being a high-end starter right now in Jacob Sexton that's just stuck behind Walter Rouse at left tackle. Do you maybe move that guy inside and give him a look I don't know what the solution I don't know what the calculus is going to be for Beatonbow but yeah objectively Oklahoma is going to have to be very strong across the entire offensive line Saturday and they're going to have to win the battle in the trenches in order to win the football game because that Texas defensive line especially on the interior is pretty talented Tavondre Sweat is a tough body to move man and that's where Texas can present some matchup nightmares if you're not at the top of your game it is you, okay in my, I guess you could say somewhat thought out, researched mind. <laughs> I felt like they were gelling pretty well at times last week, right? With Troy Everett and Matara at guard, and then obviously Raym at center, and your tackles have been pretty good this year. But I also realize if you're going to do what you want to do against Texas, you almost feel like you need your freak. In there, you need a, a, a Savion Bird, or gosh, I guess we could say Caden Green, because, again, there's just certain things where size, you know, technique is great, but with what Texas has in the middle, it kind of makes it tough size-wise. So that's, I wonder what he is going to do with that rotation. If Savion Bird is, is ready to go, is it a natural that you just, he's back in there? Or has there been some things maybe that we don't know, that we haven't seen, that haven't been talked about, that has frustrated Coach Beanbow? And he'd like to take that shot with what Troy Everett has done so far. I I think that's going to be one of the fascinating in-the-weeds conversations on Saturday. Yeah, and look, week to week, I'll be honest, and I am honest about this when I get asked about it, which is on a pretty regular basis, I don't typically have a strong sense of how the offensive line played in the moment because sure. I'm watching the game through a camera lens. And so Same. That's, I, that, that is the one position group that I have the hardest time gauging their performance, unless it's just staring you right in the face, <laughs> unless the holes are enormous for those running backs and they're just cruising the way that they were. I mean, I think about a game like the 2020 Cotton Bowl against Florida, right? Like mm-hmm. on a day like that, it's very easy to say, even the Florida State, game the cheese it bowl last year it's very easy throughout that game to go man the offensive line is just killing it at the point of attack but you typically don't see an offensive line dominate to quite that extent 
I will say what is objectively true about this offensive line's collective play through five weeks is that they've done a really good job of protecting Dylan Gabriel, which will also be paramount Saturday because I think Gabriel has to outplay Quinn Ewers, again, if the Sooners want to win this game. Mm. Now, Bill Beanbow did talk about the development of one Tyler Guyton because I'll tell you what, um, I've said this a lot on the sidelines of the broadcasts, feel like he is a guy that when I watch him, he's growing as a leader on, you know, on the side of speaking up, laying out, hey, this, guys, we got to be better there. And not, not like a screaming, yelling in your face guy, but a good, a good leader. And Tyler Guyton's becoming that. Yeah, yes and no. I, and, and I say that because I. And by the way, I should say, the lead into Bill Beanbow wasn't, is he a good leader? So he says yes and no. The question is, is he developing along the track that you would want him to develop? Yeah, yes and no. I, and, and I say that because I know how good he can be. And, yes, has he gotten better and has he matured and all those things? Yes, he definitely has. But um, that dude can be elite, the elite elite. And, again, I have to go back and understand, you know, I'm not a patient guy, you know, and um, – He's played O-line. This is his third, really third year of ever playing O-line. He started 10 games, you know, and I've got to continue to remember that and and push him to get better at a higher rate. And he's working at it. He's maturing. He's doing the things that, um, you know, it takes to get there, but we need it to be quicker uh, than what it's been. And I'm not disappointed at all, you know, and um, again, I just don't have a whole lot of patience for anything, you know, and um, I want things to happen right now, but also have to understand that there's a development process. I think, I think Parker, that's, that's one of the highest levels of praise with the couched mindset of, you know, it can be better that I've ever heard from Bill Beanbow. Is he developing? Absolutely. It's going well but it can be so much better. And I think that should give Sooner fans a pretty good indication of just how special they consider Tyler Guyton to be. I mean, objectively, you look at the guy, and he's got ridiculous measurables. Six foot seven, 325 pounds, and that's good weight, Plank. That is all good weight. He played tight end quite a bit at TCU <laughs> as a redshirt freshman back in 2021. So when you're athletic enough to play tight end – as a redshirt freshman at the Power 5 level, oh, and also swing inside and play some tackle some. Yeah, man, I Tyler Guyton has always had a first-round ceiling, and I think making the transition from TCU to Oklahoma was really good for him in that it enabled him to learn at his own pace under Bill Biedenboe because he didn't need to start last year with Anton Harrison at one tackle and Wanye Morris at the other tackle spot. Tyler Guyton could take his time on the practice field, get sharpened by Biedenboe and by Phil Lodeholt, and then he steps into that starting role in 2023 for the first time on a full-time basis as a guy that was already getting a ton of love just based on the measurables and the athleticism from pro scouts. And so – yeah, across the board right now, he's probably got the highest ceiling of any Oklahoma offensive lineman, and he hasn't been immune from struggles. I mean, Jared Verse victimized him last year in the bowl game, but Jared Verse will victimize just about anybody. Uh, I, I like what we've seen from Tyler Guyton, and I 
I think, again, if you're focusing on individual matchups or individuals that need to excel Saturday, Guyton being the right tackle, he's the one that's tasked with protecting Dylan Gabriel's blind side, which in most cases that duty would fall upon the left tackle because you're dealing with a conventional right-handed quarterback. Well, Dylan Gabriel's a lefty. Tyler Guyton is the one who's charged with protecting Gabriel's blind side. He's done a tremendous job of it thus far, and that's going to need to continue, and he's going to need to continue playing his best football Saturday. If the Sooners want to keep Gabriel upright in the pocket, give him time to deliver and allow him to pick apart this Texas secondary. One more here from Bill Beanbow, and then we'll grab a break. The OU Texas atmosphere. Yeah, it does. I mean, heck, I'd be lying if I didn't. I mean, there's nothing like it. Anybody that's been involved in it, and I've been at other places and rivalry games at other places, but there's there's nothing like this. I mean, you know, God forgive me, but there's hate involved in, <laughs> in, in, on both sides, you know, and um, that's what you want to be in, you know, and, and, and I love every second of it. God forgive me, but there's hate involved. No better way to describe what's coming up on Saturday than what Bill Beatonbow did right there. All right, straight to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line when we come back. You're listening to The Plank Show on the road at Cavens Group, 405-573-3048, right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Parker, you all got a podcast tonight? Are you guys uh, dropping a pod, you and uh, B-Drum, or are you done until until game day? I tell you, man, so... We're actually, I say we very loosely, I believe we are actually in the midst of recording that podcast as we speak. Oh, I am not participating. Okay. Uh, Drum, man, you talk about a guy that never takes a day off. His daughter was born yesterday, and he somehow made the OU Insider live stream last night. And now this morning, he and Travis Davidson, Grill Boy himself, are knocking out the... uh, Knocking out the OU Insider pregame. Podcast. Do you need to jump on it? Oh no! no oh okay. No no no, no 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 no. I listen. I'm I'm on the air right now, Plank. All right, all right. Um, I I have the greatest question that has ever been sent to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, and we had talked about this on I believe it was Monday's show, but Lloyd asks a very good question. Plank, what is up with those socks on Coach's Corner? (laughs) Okay. Those were – I've got a group of friends. I told you guys on this show, I don't name drop anyone but my friends. So you guys get to know me and your name will be all over the show because, A, I don't really have any friends, and and B, the only time I get to see anyone is on Wednesday nights. So my – we had a Christmas party to where everyone gave out different gifts, right? And you know the whole thing where it's like, oh, I'll exchange this and uh, I'll try. All right, you got that package. Well, I'm going to open it up and see what it is and we'll go. And it's like a white elephant thing. And um, so I got I got a pair of socks from my buddy Joel Syrie, and it's his face on them. Now, I don't think Joel is responsible for putting those socks in the gag gift, uh, in the giveaway, or what, I can't even speak today, in the white elephant thing. And the I told him, like, you know, one of these days I'm going to wear them on TV, 
and you're going to be all over TV with my sweet socks that I'll be wearing to go along with the pink pair of socks that I have that have my wife's face on them. And then, of course, I also have the Bud Light socks that I uh, and my Christmas Anheuser-Busch socks. I'm a big sock guy. But, no, that's my, uh, that's my buddy Joel Syrie who's on my socks <laughs> because – I don't know. It's it's a special week, man. We got to break. Now, if we lose, Lloyd, I will never wear those socks again, right? If we win, I might wear those socks every single day. But good eyes, good eyes. Realtor Chris writes, this is the Knippemeyer Chevrolet text line. My first contribution to the segment I named the Thursday Worries, which are brought to you by Realtor Chris. He writes, Parker, Plank, I'm worried that our student section in the Cotton Bowl will not be in full cry. After what I saw at Heist in Campus Corner on Parents Weekend, I don't see how some of these students would even want to show their faces. PSA to OU moms, Parents Weekend is not for you to live vicariously through your son's fraternity. Horrifying. Well, I didn't think it was that bad, did you? You were over there. There was a lot of... um. Is it still politically correct to say cougars, or is that unacceptable anymore? Whoa, you went there. Okay. okay. I, <laughs> no, it's still, like, I don't know what the other. What I got the, a laugh out of Amanda for the first time in six years of doing this show. Here, I mean, so listen. That's... <laughs> listen, if you don't think parents are going to live vicariously through their <laughs> students that are involved in Greek life. Yeah. I mean, that's, hey. just, that's just how things go. That's not exclusive to Oklahoma either. I, I will say this, though. I have not been to uh, – that's the wildest pregame that I've ever been a part of. Having nothing to do with moms and dads and parents weekend. It just, from the moment that I parked my car, I felt like I was in a crowd walking to the stadium. I was in a crowd walking to Campus Corner. It was electric. It was, And I hope that continues all year long. Uh, Micah in Kanawa. Kanawa? Kanawa? Kanawa. Uh, if DG gets good protection then he exposes the Texas secondary. The OU offensive line and Texas defensive line is the matchup that will decide this game. Do you agree? I I think I would agree with that, and obviously I don't think this game is decided based on one single matchup individually or at a certain position group, but I do think that's probably one of the most important factors is whether that Oklahoma offensive line can win at the point of attack over the Texas defensive line because obviously that's going to have a trickle-down effect on the running game as well, and the Sooners are going to need to establish the run. They can't be one-dimensional offensively and win the game. All five of the last Red River showdowns, Chris, have been won by the team that rushed for more yards. So, again, kind of a selective small sample size there, but that just goes to show you in recent years – the team that runs the ball more effectively is the team that wins the football game. And I believe that's been the case in like 20 of the last 22 as well. Mm. There have only been a couple exceptions right. in the 21st century where the team that gets outrushed wins the game. I'm dig- That's a great stat. I'm digging because I think you're right. I think you're right. I am going back through tonight as well. I think that there is also uh, – there's a special teams play that's going to factor in this thing. There's a special. I mean, it just it always does. A bananas play. Isn't that what Pete Thamel said? Is a Peyton, bananas play. Would, uh, would Peyton Bowen blocking a third punt be categorized as bananas? That would be bananas. Uh, from Dewey, 
in the 918. That's great city of Dewey, Oklahoma. Honestly, guys, I think it comes down to two factors, Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel. The O-line and run game are both questionable, and Texas's defensive line is talented. Jeff and Dylan better have a hail of a game in order for the Sooners to get a dub. It's If not, it could be a long day. I'm just – I more than anything else, I'm kind of – impressed by the fact that that texture managed to spell Dylan Gabriel's name two completely different ways within the same text. It's impressive, my man. It's impressive. Not only I'm just I'm just glad he misspelled it Dylan like Bob Dylan as opposed to <laughs> Dillian. I've seen way too many people spell Dylan Gabriel's name with an extra i like million but with a d at the front and it it's, it bugs the crap out of me. There's a couple like, of names that because again, my spelling doesn't matter, right? I'm I'm on radio, so as long as I spell it how I can say it, right? and it's amazing to me how there is so many people that have covered this team for so long that still can't figure out how to say some of these guys' names. It's fascinating <laughs> to me, absolutely fascinating to me. In fact, there's some people that have said it incorrectly so wrong that I'm like, am I saying it wrong? No, you're not. But it's funny to me how I can't consistently spell like laulu and then when i look at it i'm like there's no way it's pronounced like that that's la 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 yeah yeah so i i completely understand what the misspelling of dylan's uh mongo this is good mongo writes the coaches that i've talked to told me that shay gill just alexander is the weakness for the thunder <laughs> that's that's Gosh, in reference it's been, it's been an hour since you ran that thamel soundbite and no one has forgotten <laughs> Oh, my gosh. All right, this is a good – now, I want to be real clear. When I read this next text, I'm not mocking anyone. I'm not making fun of anyone. I love you all, and I'm grateful for the interaction. But I am a a vehement defender of the fact that nobody sandbags anything for a big game. But this is a question that we get in some way, shape, or form at the very least two or three times per show on each of our shows on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. So, Parker – since you don't get a, a chance to answer this from 9 to noon, and uh, I've, I've given my take on it a few times, the 405 writes, any chance OU is sandbagging the run game, or are we too far in the season to be hiding what we really can do in the run game? Okay, I, I think it depends on how you define it. Like, What do you define sandbagging as? Oklahoma, Holden out on part of the playbook, only showing certain things in advance of the Texas game so that they've got some play calls that they haven't yet utilized in 2023 mm-hmm. that they can roll out against Longhorns? Yes. In that sense, I think there will be some of that. If sandbagging in your mind means that Oklahoma is intentionally struggling to run the ball and there's some kind of roster-wide conspiracy to only rush for so many yards at a time and – to put a hard, firm ceiling on rushing output and rushing effect. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think we're seeing anything like that. But I, on the other hand, again, going back to my first observation, there, I do think Jeff Lebby is going to have some play calls in both the run game and the pass game on Saturday that we haven't seen so far in 2023, and I think that's natural because when you have a playbook as extensive as that of Jeff Lebby. Odds are you're not going to use all of that playbook over the course of the first five games anyway, least of all when you have an undefeated top five opponent on deck and the five games leading up to that are games that 
it, by hook or by crook, you're going to be able to control and win without getting seriously challenged, which we have seen Oklahoma do. So I wouldn't call it sandbagging, but is Levy holding some stuff in reserve? I have no doubt. And I think there is the reality that you just haven't you haven't had your guys healthy. Now I, I dug a little deeper and from what from what I've been able to gauge on the Javante Barnes situation in my in my sourcing, it's just nagging. It's just something that it's not any at least from what I've been told. It's not anything new. It's he'll go out and the, the process of recovering from playing has been a little bit challenging. Now, it's, it's also my understanding that probably could have gone last week if they wanted to use him, decided not to. So maybe if you want to talk about holding a guy out for a bigger game, for a bigger moment, then, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, I agree with you 100%. But Parker is 100% on. Are they – and Venable said, we're not good enough to hold things back. But – might they have a guy like Javante Barnes to where they say, let's give him another week to get 100% and then see how he responds? Or, hey, let's, you know, let's run more inside zone or however you want to call it, using this blocking scheme or using this type of pool, using these pin pool techniques. Yeah, sure. Maybe yeah. those are little things that we see that are different. Well, and to that point, I think what we have seen through five games is that Oklahoma. Not uh, not across the board, but in general, they have been in control of football games. And when you're in control of football games, there are there are very rarely going to be instances where you feel like this has to be the play that you call. For instance, if you're facing a fourth and three in no man's land, and Jeff Lebby has this play that he believes, okay, this is the perfect play for this situation. Mm-hmm. He's not going to sit there and go, oh, but I don't want to show that because we got Texas in a couple weeks. No, right. but no. when you're up by 20 points, it gives you a lot of leeway to not pull out that play that you want to be able to show for the first time against Texas if the chips fall in a certain manner. So it allows you more freedom to be able to stick to the basics and – not have to show your entire hand when you are in control of games, which Oklahoma has been to this point in the season for the most part. All right, quick break. That's just the tip of the iceberg on the text and the questions. We have our top five stories of the day coming up. Got a little Rod Babers to share with you. Parker is in for Josh. We're at Cavens on a Thursday, 405-573-3048. You know, I, was, I got a text from the boss man. I got a text from the Brian man. We're not just, you know, people that sit here and, and – and have the sponsorship of Cavens, and, and they're a client of ours, but we also use them. I've used them for work around my house. They're out helping the vineyards right now with a water extraction at their place. So this is a company that we believe in beyond just, hey, thanks for supporting our station. If you have a problem, you call Cavens at 405-573-3048. It's the Plank Show right here on The Ref. We're awaiting the Thursday Sark Presser. I don't think he'll give us an update on Tavian Sanders. I kind of feel like, Parker, that'll be one of those that we'll be looking in pregame. And I bet he warms up, and I bet he goes through practices. But I just I don't know if he's going to be 100%. And that is that's a nice advantage for Oklahoma, right? Because Tavian Sanders is a matchup nightmare. And to me, to me, man, I think that him not being there is a – again, it's not the – 
end-all, be-all for Texas. And Xavier Worthy is still out there, but Sanders is a matchup problem for any team. So we'll see if we – but I don't think we'll get any true update on him. No, I figure there will be some gamesmanship from Sark. You don't want to tip your hand personnel-wise beforehand. And so if Oklahoma is game-planning for Jadavion Sanders because they have to, well, you don't want to get in their way. You don't want to let him know. Actually, he's right. not playing. So, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm with you. I don't think we'll find it, find out anything conclusive from Sark. But obviously, if you take Jatavian Sanders out of the equation and he does not play on Saturday, that's huge as far as Oklahoma's ability to curtail Quinn Ewer's impact on the game with his arm because Sanders is one of the many weapons that Texas has, but he's a different kind of weapon from that tight end position, right? He is mm-hmm. – uh, you know, it's – I think Oklahoma has defensive backs that are capable of running – at the very least running with Xavier Worthy and A.D. Mitchell. That's not to say they're going to shut him down because I don't think you can completely shut those guys down. Venable said it himself in the press conference earlier this week. He said, look, I – I don't know how we're going to keep these guys from producing, but in Jatavian Sanders, given his combination of size and speed and athleticism and as many ways as they can line him up, he adds a new facet to the Texas offense that they simply don't have in his absence. So you take that facet away, it naturally improves Oklahoma's chances to shut down the Texas offense and ultimately win the football game. One more uh, quick Knippenmeyer Chevrolet text line text. Uh, this is from Guy from Parts Unknown who writes, <laughs> when do we stop dying on the cheese at bowl sword and give can – I, can I, Walker, listen to me, uh, Tyree Walker his due? I, I think people are giving him his due. He's I, – like, I, I said it not half an hour ago. Tyree Walker has been the best back in Oklahoma's backfield through – five games he's averaging mm-hmm. 5.1 yards per carry I think he's getting his due I also think we are still living in a world where what those two dudes did against Florida State is exciting with the offensive line and the shambles that they were in but we got to see it in the regular season that the, the unfortunate thing is the cheese bowl has been the anomaly it hasn't been the regular. Maybe that changes on Saturday. We'll see. Man, we're already down to our last hour. Top five stories today next.